Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to The Last Watch by J.S. Dewis. Chapter 5 Once again, Adequin found herself sitting in that awful chair. The half-dozen bridge crew worked at their stations, the silence cut only by the occasional console beep or muted cough. At the foot of the tiered levels, the main view screen still showcased the inevitably vacant outward view. A tier down, Jackin stood at his terminal, arms crossed, eyes trained on his holographic screen. His boot tapped out a slow rhythm on the metal floor as he scratched his short black beard and released a long, slow yawn. Adequin shifted in her seat, resisting the urge to mimic him. It wouldn't be particularly motivating for the crew to see their EX as bored senseless as they were. A damp sloshing passed behind her as that pain-in-the-ass new recruit pushed his mop across the floor. She prepared a judgmental glare, but Cavallon's eyes stayed focused on his work. He'd been mopping the upper deck all damn morning, and though she generally appreciated attention to detail, it started to feel suspiciously like stalling. He was probably afraid to find out what chore she'd come up with next. But only because he didn't know any better yet. Giving him something to do, even if menial, was really just doing him a favor. Jackin's terminal beeped and Adequin sat up. Boss, it's done, he called over his shoulder. Finally, she pushed up out of the rigid captain's chair and descended the short set of steps toward him. Report? Jackin flicked through a few screens, then shook his head. Nothing. Nothing? Well, comms viability's in the red, but still well within our version of normal. You know how the divide likes to eat calm signals. Otherwise, all systems nominal. That's good, right? His jaw flexed as he tilted his head. Yes. Yet you seem disappointed. Honestly, boss? Jackin leaned in, lowering his voice. I was hoping it'd show something off with the thrusters, or at least a few faulty sensors, something to account for that drift we had yesterday. He glowered at his screen for another few moments, then added, I think we should run it again. Why? I can write up a debugger quick and put it through at the same time. Maybe the diagnostic suite's finally giving out on this rust bucket. Adequin blew out a heavy breath and glanced at the time on her nexus. All right, if you think we need to, go ahead. Not like she had anything better to do. Jackin tapped the screen to reset the scan. She paced up the steps and sunk back into the captain's chair, scratching her nose to mask a yawn. She returned to staring at the empty black view screen and tried to convince herself not to nod off. A few dull minutes later, her nexus chimed with a calm notification, snapping alertness back into her. She tapped her nexus to open the link. Go for rake. Sir, Bach here. Griffith's rumbling voice crackled through, staticky and startlingly loud in the quiet of the bridge. She thumbed the volume down. Sir, I'm running pre-flight checks on the Tempest's Taurus chamber, but I'm getting a spike in the SGL readings. 
Blinking down at her wrist, it took her a second to process his words. S-G-L. She hadn't heard that call in years. At least since the resurgence war ended. Jackin glanced over his shoulder, quirking an eyebrow at her. The rest of the bridge crew did a phenomenal job of pretending they weren't listening in. Adequin cleared her throat. Say again? The SGL readings on the Tempest, sir, Griffith repeated. I'll need to run diagnostics to troubleshoot, but I need your biometric clearance. Jackin looked back, amusement tugging at the corner of his lips. I got this, boss, go ahead. Protocol, he held up a hand. Void, not with the protocoling, please. I'll come right back. I'd expect nothing less. Jackin mumbled as he refocused on his screen. Then his look shot up again. Hey, on your way there, we've still got a half dozen in the brig from that hydro debacle. Shit, she sighed. Last night, she'd thrown the entire third shift hydroponic staff in there to cool off. After Cavallon's little scuffle in the mess yesterday, the unrest had circulated, as it always did. This time, it ended up sparking a particularly destructive fight in the hydroponics lab. Half the nutrient tanks had been ruptured before Bray and the rest of the security team broke it up. She understood getting a little stir-crazy, but didn't know why that had to make them stupid and violent, too. Thanks, Jack. I'll swing by and clear them for release. She started for the exit, where Cavallon still intently mopped the same innocent square meter area he'd been targeting a half hour ago. Oculus, you're going to swab a hole in the damn floor, she said. With me. She marched into the hall. Jackin grumbled, that means follow. Then, after a moment, hurried bootsteps trailed after her. Cavallon exhaled a few curses as the squeaking wheels caught between panels of decking and the water sloshed over the sides. After a few seconds, he had enough sense to pick up the stupid bucket and carry it. Adequin received courteous acknowledgement from the few passersby, but at mid-shift the halls were mostly unoccupied. She couldn't count how many times she'd cut this path over the last five years. The Legion's retrofit should have included moving the brig closer to the bridge. This was a post for criminals, after all. Though she appreciated any excuse to be up out of that damn chair. She stepped onto the lift as it slid open, and Cavallon took a few quick steps to catch up before the door slid shut. So there was another fight, huh? She clenched her teeth, preparing her judgmental glare again. You come up with some of those creative punishments for them? He asked. Maybe one of those completely unnecessary cavity searches? Her readied glare faulted on deployment, overtaken by a scowl of disbelief. Though she really shouldn't have been surprised. He clearly wasn't the type to keep his mouth shut for very long. That he'd been quiet for almost five full hours actually impressed her, a fact which in turn nauseated her, but the bar for this one had been set painfully low, pretty much on the ground. He stretched out his right arm, the static gold and bronze imprint squares glinting in the overhead lights as the lift descended. Too bad I wasn't there to straighten them out, I guess. That fight was your fault, you know, she pointed out. He scoffed. I've never even been to hydroponics. 
Out here, unrest spreads. We talking viral or bacterial? Her gaze hardened, but he didn't seem to notice. There was another fight shortly after in the research annex, she explained. Two oculi ended up in medical, and those are only the ones that were reported. There were probably a half dozen more. The first round we've had in weeks. He scratched his chin. Interesting conjecture. Is this based on the verifiable science of being super bored at the edge of the universe, or do you think it's more magical in nature? Maybe I should throw you in the brig with Barrow and let you collect some first-hand data. His amusement melted away, then he mumbled, surprised you don't just drug everyone into submission. That's not sounding like a half-bad idea, she growled. The lift door slid open, and she marched out into the corridor toward Trey Sector. This fucking guy. She'd never had an Oculus act like this toward her before. In fact, she didn't think she'd heard one voluntarily offer up more than a yes sir or no sir in the last five years. He'd been so docile all morning, she'd thought they must have actually made some progress in her office yesterday, that at least some of what she'd all but beaten into him had stuck. Yet he still spoke to her like she was one of his vapid drinking buddies. He didn't think of her the same way that everyone else on the Argus did. They all saw their commander, someone to obey and respect. But he hadn't come up through the Legion. He didn't see any levels between them. That had to change. As they approached the entrance to the brig, she rounded on him. His scuttling boot squeaks echoed down the empty hall as he stopped short, and a splash of water sloshed over the edge of his bucket. She drew her shoulders back and faced him squarely. His chin dropped, posture slouching as he took a half step back and bumped into the wall, gaze flitting like a trapped animal. Uh, sorry, sir, he began. Some mix of regret and frustration tightened his grimace. Just trying to lighten the mood. Everything's so doom and gloom around here. Hell, maybe I've caught a case of that viral unrest too. She flexed her jaw, resisting the urge to raise her voice. Shape up, or you can kiss that animus off for goodbye. We'll see how much your pile of diplomas helps when you're buffing floors for the next decade. I hear PhDs make them extra shiny. She let out a low, crackling sigh that sounded more like the snarl of a combustion engine. Cavallon's white cheeks paled another shade. Sorry, sir. Again, sir. This probably isn't the shit-cutting you're looking for, huh? Just stop talking. Yes, sir. You'll take a double shift tonight. After the brig's as spotless as the bridge, head to the mess. Then report to Circuitor Lace in the hangar. There's a ruptured latrine tank that needs repair. After that, help with whatever else she needs. Report back to the bridge in the morning. Cavallon's brow softened, and he didn't blink for a few long moments. She waited for it, that smart-ass comment that would get him into even more trouble. Likely something about already giving up on her babysitting duty. But instead, he drew up his posture and gave a curt nod. Yes, sir.
Adequin deposited Cavalon in the capable hands of Rivas, the no-nonsense brig attendant, then released the hydroponics staff, along with a firm reminder that repeat offenses wouldn't be met with such leniency. When she arrived at the hangar, she found Lace hunched over a workbench, blue-white sparks from her welding torch flashing against her protective goggles. The dismantled segments of a cargo lift drone sat all around, some piled on the worktop, others on the floor, spare hardware and circuitry littered among them. Lace very well might have been the most skilled mechanic across all 40-some sentinel vessels, but the messes she made were absurd. Adequin had no idea how she could possibly keep it all straight. Lace flicked off the torch and looked up. Sir. You wore them, Adequin said. Lace gave a short nod, dropping her goggles around her neck. I did indeed, she replied, looking quite pleased with herself. You're welcome. What can I do you for? Sending trouble your way this evening. Electrical or mechanical? Biological. Lace quirked an eyebrow. New soldier shipped in yesterday, Adequin explained. He's in rough shape, but he'll respond if you're firm with him. I see, sir. And what should I inflict him with? Adequin pushed out a breath, shaking her head. He's like a four-year-old in an engineer's body. Give him some toys to fix, and hopefully he'll wear himself out. Lace's soft brown eyes shone with amusement. Happy to field it, sir. I'm sure you could use a night or twenty off. She rubbed at a smear of grease on her chin with a gloved knuckle. You walk all the way down from the bridge to tell me that. Could have just pinged my nexus. Adequin swayed her head toward the docking bay. Here to help Bach with something. Lace nodded as she eyed the tempest, the fine lines around her lips deepening as she pressed them flat. What's that he calls you, sir, if you don't mind me asking? Dexterra? Our rank during the war. No, the other thing. What's it? More care. Sounds Northern Cartian. Your Titan call sign or something? Oh, that? No, just a nickname he started using years ago. What's it mean? You know, I never asked. You're from Cottus Prime, don't you know? Lace diverted her look as she knelt to pick up one of the magnetic claws of the dismantled drone. I haven't been back in 40 years. Maybe it's some kind of new slang. Maybe. I'll ask and let you know. Good idea. Adequin eyed the alarming number of parts surrounding the workbench. I'll leave you to whatever this disaster is. Lace smiled and reset her goggles, giving a curt nod. Sir. Adequin cut across the operations deck and entered the chilly docking bay, stepping up the steep ramp to duck into the airlock of the Tempest. Only modestly above average in height, she knew she had plenty of headroom, but still instinctively hunched as she crossed through the airlock into the main corridor. The passageways weren't any more cramped than any other vessel its size. But five years of living among the roomy corridors and high ceilings of the Argus made the barely over two meter overhead seem that much more confining. A flight of stairs took her down into the main cargo hold, split by four long aisles of metal shelving, two on either side of a wide thoroughfare. 
She found Griffith working in the main aisle, his silver and copper imprints buzzing along his arms as he moved a storage crate from one side to the other. His nexus projected an inventory database screen, the orange glow of the holographic display casting his brown skin in an even warmer tone. Adequin halted her approach, fists on hips. SGL? Griffith flashed a grin. Welcome aboard. Wasn't sure you'd remember that one. What shit could possibly have gone lateral in the practically empty cargo hold of your docked ship? I need to report an infraction, he said, a furrow pinching his eyebrows. The EX lied to me. She glared. She swore we'd see each other before I left, and... He glanced at his open nexus. We're T-minus 14 hours and counting. Well, that's a shame. She's your CO. Best you can do in this situation is file a motion of no confidence. He gasped. That's mutiny. Bloody void, she grumbled. He laughed, shoving another crate across the aisle. Figured you'd be stuck up there doing something stupid. You're welcome for saving you. Saving me by making me do inventory with you? You know you have subordinates to do this. Look who's talking. She rolled her eyes and stifled a yawn. He grunted, pulling another crate from the bottom shelf and sliding it into the aisle. Bet you haven't heard SGL since, what? Well before Paxus, she said, wringing her chilled hands. His lips pressed into a grim frown. Yeah, well before indeed. You know where it came from? Assumed it was an old Titan tradition. Nah. I brought it with me from the vanguard. She quirked a brow. You did? Except we used it as a signal to switch to a new channel so we could rail on the brass behind their backs, rather than for arranging alcoholic rendezvous. Leave it to the Titans to make it about booze. He chuffed a laugh and activated the control screen on the crate. Adequin smiled, surprised he'd offered up that bit of history. He rarely talked about his days in the vanguard, even in generalities. But even the brief mention seemed to affect him. His contentment faded and a frown flattened his lips as he refocused on his nexus to take stock of the crate's contents. He absentmindedly tugged at the left side of his collar, stretching it up over the tattoo at the base of his neck. Though over the years the black ink had faded into his russet skin, the details of the emblem were still clear. Volucris, scripted between two laurels of angular feathers, like dozens of keen-edged blades fanned into a crescent ring. He'd had that tattoo when she first met him ten years ago. Every vanguard from that era had one. It had been a rite of passage at the start of the Resurgence War. Humanity had enjoyed over 200 years of peacetime after the Viator War, until the SCS Volucris arrived at the edge of the outer core for a routine mineral survey, but instead found a Viator fleet. As the primary operations division of the first, the foremost command component of the Legion, the Vanguard had been the first to muster. For them, the tattoo served as a reminder of how unprepared they'd been for a real enemy to return, one they'd thought dead for two centuries a reminder of what came from complacency. 
The interface beeped as Griffith resealed the crate. He looked up at her. Any trace of melancholy vanished, his features alit with his usual congenial amusement. All I ask in payment for freeing you, he said, is a few minutes of manual labor. Then you can run along back to the bridge if you insist. Void your needy. Griffith's imprints buzzed softly, rearranging as he pushed the inventoried crate aside. What, you losing your edge, Dexterra? Life on the fringe of reality making you soft? She summoned a little extra strength from her imprints and punched him square in the shoulder. He let out a hard breath, equal parts laugh and pained grimace. To be honest, I actually need the help. Lacey's fixing the only working cargo lift, and we're the only two people on the ship with these guys at our disposal. He held up his arm and the imprints flashed as they slid around the top of his wrist. She shook her head. Actually, not anymore. No? New soldier came in yesterday with a set. Black market? Nope. He quirked an eyebrow. Another titan? She scoffed a laugh. Definitely not. Then how the hell- His confusion flattened and he let out a low whistle. A royal? How'd that happen? Shit if I know. Sounds fun. Adequin sighed. If by fun you mean an exhausting trial of willpower, then yes. She unstrapped her jacket and tossed it aside. The short sleeves underneath left her bare arms exposed to the cool air. Her skin warmed, tingling as her imprint squares energized, breaking from their default formation to spread across her back, neck, and shoulders. All right, what goes where? Empties go to the cargo lift, he answered. The others move across the aisle and I'll take stock. They spent the better part of an hour moving crates in circles, sorting out which still needed to be cataloged, which could have their contents combined, and which should be offloaded. Adequin put the last of the empty crates onto the cargo lift and wandered back to find Griffith at the end of an aisle stretched over the top of a few shorter, quarter-and-a-half-sized crates. Ah, got it, he grunted. He shoved another, smaller crate aside, revealing a sealed footlocker behind it. He tapped the access pad as the lid hissed open. A glint of light flashed across the necks of a dozen or so metal and glass bottles. Uh, Adequin began, leaning to look past him into the shadowed container. Tell me we didn't move all these crates just to unearth your booze stash. Griffith slid her a please-be-merciful grin. Not just any booze stash. He pulled a bottle free, angling it toward her. Adequin squinted at the brushed metal bottle as she stepped forward, though she didn't need to be able to read the etched label to recognize it. Void, she breathed. I haven't seen Malila in 15 years. Where the hell'd you get that? Lujan gave it to me after I joined the Titans. Recruitment incentive? Something like that. Damn, all he got me was five more years of war. Griffith laughed. Well, I'm kind of a big deal, as you know. She flexed her jaw, trying to look exasperated through the grin tugging at her lips.
He slid out from the maze of small crates, looking over the label carefully. I almost forgot I had it, stashed it away forever ago for a rainy day. And today's that day? He glanced up at the beams of aerosteel truss lining the small cargo hold ceiling. Looks cloudy to me. She crossed her arms. It's the middle of the day, Griff. And? And I'm the senior officer. I can't drink in the middle of the day. He shrugged. More for me, then. Void. You gonna write me up? He palmed the bottle's seal, giving a feigned whine and frowning deeply. I can't get it open, help. She marched over and snatched the bottle from him, ignoring how pleased he looked with himself. Her glare drifted down and she turned the cool metal over to read the etched label. Redwind District Spirits, distilled 182 AV with the official Seneca 4 export seal stamped below. She patiently undid the four tiny safety nodules. Some feat of engineering allowed the aging process to continue until the seal was broken, so the task had been made purposefully difficult to serve as a reminder. With the latches free, she twisted the top off. It hissed and let out a belch of warm air, sending a sharp scent drifting up. She angled the bottle at Griffith. You mind? The corners of his eyes wrinkled with amusement. Please. She took a slow sip, letting the warm liquid roll around in her mouth. Though drier than she'd expected, it came with a rich finish and the slightest touch of honey smoothed the edge. She swallowed it and a spicy tinge lingered on the roof of her mouth. Passing the bottle back to him, she breathed a sharp hiss from the back of her throat as the pleasant burn settled in the pit of her stomach. You should have left it on the Argus instead of the Tempest, would have aged longer. Griffith let out a hearty laugh. Shit, you're right. Hovering the bottle below his nose, he inhaled a breath before taking a purposeful drink. A smile creased his eyes and he licked his lips. Damn, that really is as good as they say, isn't it? Not bad, she agreed. He passed it back to her. Surprised you'll even drink Redwind, considering. A knot tightened at the base of her rib cage, and she tried to loosen it with another drink. The Seneca Ford Distillery District might be the only good thing to ever come from her shitty outer core home planet, as widely known for its unforgiving sulfuric rain as its dense samarskite mines. Home to a much less widely known practice of systemic indentured servitude. Though the star system had been claimed as a colony of the system collective over 60 years ago and was technically under their jurisdiction, greased palms went a long, long way in the outer core. She handed the bottle back to Griffith and shrugged. Sometimes great things have shitty origins. He nodded, his eyes drifting over her. Indeed. She rolled her eyes. That's not what I meant. Well, it's what I meant. She leaned back to rest on the edge of the crate behind her. If you're going to force me to engage in rampant misconduct, he rumbled a laugh mid-drink. Can we at least talk crew evals while we're at it? Void. He sat on the crate beside him, sliding back to recline against the shelving. 
All business with you, huh? This really should not surprise you. Besides, the report's due in two weeks. It has to be done before you ship out anyway. Fine, fine. He scratched at his beard. Honestly, I could use a few more people. You have 15 now, should be plenty for a ship this size. It's not number, just talent. Thinking I need to swap some. She scooted back to sit fully onto the crate. The few sips of whiskey in her stomach had already spread a dense warmth into her chest and cheeks. Someone coming up short? No one's fault, merely shifting needs. Sullivan's been sitting co-pilot, and he's doing fine running the standard presets, but he's not a math guy. Can't adapt on the fly, no pun intended. What needs adapting? There's constant fluctuations in the divide's density that affect our trajectory. Since when? Since always. The computer makes corrections, but it's reactive and not efficient. There's got to be some way to chart it, anticipate it. You're one of the best pilots I've ever met. If you can't figure it out, it's not about the flying. It's the nature part. The divide's just one big tract of dense gravity. I get that much. But the bodies of gravity I'm familiar with are generally roundish, not flattish. And the computer's simply not made for it. If we got someone on board that could really study it, crunch the numbers, maybe we could get in sync with it. Find that gravitational sweet spot and move along it faster. Possibly a lot faster. Back in three months instead of six? He smiled. One week instead of two. Yeah, she agreed. You probably need a physicist. But those types don't tend to end up sentinels. Tell me about it. Can you recruit someone from the Typhus, a Cora? There's 40 other Sentinel ships. Someone's got to have an extra delinquent egghead lying around. Last I checked, they don't have shit for Animus either. The Typhus has the biggest crew. I'll ping them with a request. Though, honestly, it might be faster for you to just dock there on your way upward this time. Ask them directly. Karin Gates been slow to deliver messages lately. How shocking, he mumbled, then took a long drink. In the meantime, I'll talk to Mesa, see if she's got anyone earmarked. Adequin cringed as an obvious but painful option came to mind. That new guy might be a good fit, eventually. Oh, Mr. Imprints. Is that the one who came in on a private transport yesterday? That's the one, but he's nowhere near ready. He in need of a little reforming. Really just forming to start with. I'll work on him, see if I can get him in shape by the time you're back next. Griffith inclined his head. Much appreciated, sir. What else? He scratched his beard. Well, as the alert buoys get older, I really need some people who know their way around repairs. Or at least a chief to manage them. You already have six mechanics. Sure, but they're all riggers that came up through ground side ops, they could probably smart us out of a cave collapse with a piece of rope and a lighter, but they wouldn't know how to run a safe EVA if their lives depended on it. And their lives literally depend on it. I can keep escorting them for now. But you know, he smiled, a cap's not supposed to leave their ship. Who are you thinking? She asked. 
He paused as he slowly licked his lips, then all but mumbled, Lace? She barked a laugh. Somehow you look at me with a straight face when you say that? He crossed his arms, jaw tight. No way, Griff, she said, shaking her head. I need my hanger chief. He scoffed. For all the ship traffic you got coming in and out of here? She's also my peripherals mechanic. Adequin jutted a thumb down the aisle behind her. She's the one fixing your damn drone right now, remember? You know how useful she is. You served with her for what, eight, nine years before the war? Ten, he corrected, but didn't fall for the shift in topic. You have 200 people, and Lace is really your only mechanic. For life systems, at least, she's the only one that can convince the food processor to spit out anything other than basic protein strands, and definitely the only one that knows how to fix those ancient water recyclers. The Argus's original complement was over a thousand. You can't need more than a few of those water recyclers working at once. We only have a couple working, she explained. I requested a parts bin from the Legion months ago, but until it comes so we can fix a backup, we're maxed out. I already had to ration water usage for a week last month while one was down. He blew out a long breath. Well, if I can't have lace, then it's gonna have to be you. She did her best to appear horribly offended, and his features went flat with worry. What? He scoffed. I can't believe I'm your second pick. He laughed. She took the bottle back from him and sipped another drink. If you need a thermal control unit shoddily jury-rigged, I'm all over it. But I don't know shit about those alert buoys. That's only half the job, he pointed out. And I've never seen someone shoot around so calm and confident like they were born with an MMU on their backs. He accepted the bottle back from her and took another drink. That's what makes Lace the best of both worlds. You personally gave her that EVA crash course a few weeks back when the inward comms array shorted out. A few weeks? That was two years ago. And it's a great justification to give her a bump in rank. You've wanted an excuse to do that for years. His eyelashes fluttered. Pretty please. She shook her head. I can't budge on Lace, but I'll get an EVA course going. I'll keep an eye out for leadership potential, but we'll at least get a couple of people who know their way around a spanner, trained up and ready for you to take next time you're back. He smirked. One benefit of time dilation, super fast training. Super fast for you, maybe. His amusement faded and his gaze drifted down. About that. Down the aisle, someone coughed quietly, then pointedly cleared their throats. Sirs? Adequin's pulse spiked and a wave of warmth rose to her cheeks as she glanced over her shoulder. Lace stood at the end of the aisle, and she put her fist to her chest in salute while Griffith fought a smile and tucked the whiskey behind his back. Adequin stood and faced the mechanic. Circuiter? If Lace had noticed the bottle, she didn't show any indication as she gave a casual, straight-faced nod. Drone is repaired whenever you're ready for it. Griffith nodded. Bring it to the lift, if you don't mind. Aye, aye. Lace turned to go, then hesitated. 
Plan still on, sir. Griffith ran a hand down the side of his face. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Lace nodded, then disappeared around the corner. Adequin quirked a brow at him. Get to what? Nothing, he said, letting out a sigh. Just pestering me about stuff I've been putting off as usual. Well, I guess if your mechanical brawn's back in working order, I'll leave you to it. He scratched the back of his neck. There's more we should discuss before I head out tonight. Can we nightcap? Yeah, swing by after second shift. He held up the whiskey. Only if he's invited too. Twist my arm, she agreed as she backed away down the aisle. But you'll have to leave a few hours after, so only one. One bottle. One drink. When was the last time we had just one drink? He winked and she rolled her eyes as she retreated up the aisle and back to the bridge. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can find The Last Watch and its sequel, The Exiled Fleet, wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Thank you.